Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of At the Table. It's Jackie King, and I'm excited to spend another afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this, um, just getting to share the stories of women in leadership in the SBT. Today is a especially special treat. I have been looking forward to having my guest on for quite some time now, and so I get to introduce you to Susie Hawkins today. Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm honored to be here, Jackie. I love this podcast. Thank you for including me. I'm so excited to share your story and your wisdom. And to be honest, we have been fighting technical difficulties over a couple of weeks <laughs> now. So it, we are really excited to be on and to be recording. So um, thank you again for joining us. Why don't you tell me just a little bit, let's just start with the fun get to know yous. Where are you recording from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'm recording from my house in Dallas, Texas, where my husband, O.S., and I live. He is the president of Guidestone Financial Resources. We have been in the ministry since we married, actually almost 50 years ago, which sounds so ancient and old that it mortifies me. <laughs> How should we be that old? But um, we, he was in the ministry, well, just barely, but in the ministry when we got married. So we've been in some, some variation of ministry our whole married lives. I'm originally from Austin, Texas, grew up in an SBC church, Okay, um, did the GA thing and all those activities that uh, go along with growing up in the 50s and 60s. So I've um, been in the SBC really my whole life. My husband pastored. We've uh, been at two different, uh, excuse me, four churches pastoring, two in small rural areas in um, Oklahoma and then Fort Lauderdale, Florida, First Baptist, which was like a foreign country, <laughs> and um, then back to Dallas, which was an, another foreign country. <laughs> so, um, we had a lot of experiences, and it's been it has been truly a joy. It really has. It's it's been a huge blessing in our life to be in the ministry. Oh, I love that. Okay, so when do you celebrate fifty years? I'm curious when you get to have your big party. Uh, the big party uh, will be this summer. All right. So, uh, but right That's now, just about cool. every trip we take, I say, well, this is part of the party. This uh, is celebration. <laughs> so, you yeah. know. Yes, I saw over the holidays you got to go to Israel and take your family. That looked and really fun. That was my, my husband's gift to me. Yes, he. we talked for a while about what we wanted to do, and that was one thing we landed on doing that would uh, be something a once in a lifetime experience and so that was the highlight that was the party that was the party <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun I love the pictures and just the moments that you got to share from that so very very cool and congratulations on coming up on 50 years that's definitely something to celebrate so yeah. so um let's see you're also a Criswell grad you didn't put that in there but since I'm a Criswell grad I'm going to throw that out um so you have lots of just experience wisdom, just decades of servanthood and leadership. So I know that you have so much just, I think, to bestow on us. And I think one of the big things, especially watching you 
um, even just, you know, as I started out in ministry of just the steadiness and the faithfulness that you and OS have shown um, in all different seasons of ministry. So I'm really curious for you, just as you guys started out in ministry in Oklahoma and then moving to Fort Lauderdale, what was it like in those first couple years as a young leader? Like, how did you really learn what it looked like to be a leader? Maybe what were some of the insecurities that you guys faced? Well, um, I would say, first of all, I never saw myself really as a leader. Um, I just never really used that word. I grew in my understanding of that. It was really when I got a little bit older and we were in Fort Lauderdale, I started to understand what that really looked like and the platform that is automatically given to a pastor's wife. Mm. You automatically have a certain kind of platform where people want to know you or they're interested in you. Um, and that's an advantage that you have. But I would say when we were starting out, I, I was young and had no idea what I was doing. But since that time, I, every new thing I tried, I thought I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never known what I'm doing. <laughs> but you know, um, somebody told me one time, just jump in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've done. I've just jumped in. And so when we were first starting out, I felt a little insecure. I didn't have any training in, for example, teaching, even Sunday school. I just did what the book said. And it took me a while to figure this out, Jackie, but I did figure out, I may not know what I'm doing, but what I'm going to do is look for some women who do know that are yeah. older than me. And I'm just going to basically do what they do. And, and really, I have to say that was my introduction into leadership is to find, you know, the, you walk with wise people, you'll become wise, mm. is to find some wise women, women I really admired, and just follow in their footsteps. And that was really, I think, my first stage of leadership, of, of realizing um, that's how you do develop yourself as a leader. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think that's one of the benefits of this network is that you're hopefully able to find other women that are a little bit ahead of you. I know that exactly. uh, the older like you and Kathy, I mean, there's so many that um, just through the network, we've been able to connect. And I've learned so much even just in watching you, you know, it doesn't necessarily maybe take the form of like an actual mentorship where you're sitting, um, exactly. with person, you know, consistently. But I think finding those key women that you see how they're leading, you see their character, and then just being able to watch and glean, I think is really important, especially for us young ones. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree. So this kind of actually leads into a big question that I have for you, because you recently just wrote an article on the self-awareness of a leader. And so I really kind of want to unpack that a bit on this episode, um, especially from you, who has really kind of weathered a lot of different seasons in the SBC. Um, and so what does it look like? Like, I guess let's start with why do we need self-awareness as leaders? What does that mean? What does that look like for a leader to be able to kind of take that first step? You have to know, you need to know how you are perceived. Mm -hmm. If people understand what you're saying or what you're teaching or what you're trying to do, say you're on a committee and you have a vision or you have, a, you have something you're going for, you need to know that your goals and what you're trying to do is being perceived the right way. Um, and, you know, I think just to back up a little bit, it all comes down to something I've heard you say several times on this podcast, Jackie, and that is it, it boils down to relationships. 
Mm-hmm. Can you establish a relationship with another group of people and communicate your vision and your goals and uh, listen to them and all those qualities that go into leadership? Um, can you do that in in a really effective way? And I, I don't think it's something that comes naturally to us to look at our blind spots. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, we always believe, I think it's Oswald Chambers who said, you know, if we ever used, if we judged ourselves the way we judged others, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that we would have a different perception of ourselves. So self-awareness is really important in knowing how you are heard, knowing uh, how you're understood. And I think it takes some maturity to really honestly face yourself and face your own faults and your own weaknesses and then come up with some kind of a plan to begin to over, hopefully overcome those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, I think it's really easy, especially from our standpoint, to where as a leader you're thinking, okay, I've got to... Um, execute plans or execute strategy. But if you don't bring the people alongside you, then you're going alone. There is no follow-up. Um, oh, you you are in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you are you are you you may think you may you will think you're the leader, and you look behind you, no one is following. Yes. And so yeah. that's, so yeah. I'm kind of curious, especially as you kind of watch a lot of young leaders maybe rise up, or maybe even some of these mentor relationships that you're kind of involved in right now. What are some of the pitfalls that you see in young leaders that maybe they're not self-aware or um, they're not considering um, making sure that they go as a team instead of just kind of blazing ahead? Um, What are some of the observations that you're kind of seeing now? Well, two things that come to mind immediately. First of all, um, sometimes you can read so many books that you get your formula all worked out and you just presume the formula that worked for somebody else is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to take into consideration where you live. You know, we lived, our first church, we were in rural Oklahoma, Hobart, Oklahoma, we country. Now, that is a distinct kind of person, families that lived there. We had to, we were from the city, so to speak, and we had to get to know how they think and how they look at church and how they look at progress. They're like, for example, the people there were very, um, very stable but very careful about the decisions they made and the direction the church was going to go. Whereas in another area of the country, people may be overeager. So you got to know who you're leading and how they think. And don't just presume that you can throw out a formula and they're just going to automatically jump up and down and say, good. you you got to win them over in a way. way. And the second thing I want to say is as far as the younger leaders, younger generation, and honestly, as I say this, I promise I'm not thinking of one person. Well, maybe one. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking of, in generality, don't be so concerned about building your platform Mm. that you neglect um, truly developing close relationships and leadership skills with other people. Uh, this is something that I just think there is the pressure of social media is so incredibly strong that without realizing it, we think, well, my platform this and my platform that, um, that should not be our first concern. Our first concern needs to be, are we fulfilling what God has called us to do in the place where we are? And let me just say for young leaders here, if there's one thing I could say, it would be this, you want street cred. 
your street cred as a leader, your credibility as a leader will be built in the local church. Uh, yes. It is yes. in the local church, mm. in the backyard Bible clubs, DBS, middle school lock-ins. I did all that kind of stuff too. And I that is where you build your leadership skills. That's where you build your relationships. That's where, that's where you learn it when your hands get dirty and you're involved in it. Mm. I, yes. Um, I almost want you just to repeat that again, um, because I think that is so good and it's something that is so pressing, especially for us younger leaders, because there is this push and this drive to get the followers, to make the, um, you know, the witty comment or have the blog, you know, that is shared. Right. So I love just you going back to the emphasis of Christ ordained the church. And that is where he has gifted us to serve, not on Twitter, um, not, you know, on so kind of things, but that we get to actually be in front of real physical souls and, and people and that we get to help share the love of Jesus in that. So I just love that encouragement. And for some, maybe part of us, an admonishment that we've got to remember why we do what we do. And it's for, um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I want to say one other thing on that before I forget it. Uh, several years ago, I read John Ortberg's book on, um, you know, it's called The Life You Always Wanted, which I don't think anything has, which the title doesn't have anything to do with the topic, <laughs> which was spiritual disciplines. But one of the things, and it really had an impact on me. And one of the things he talked about is, can, as a spiritual discipline, can you do something good, good work, good act, good praying or something. Can you do it and can you do it in secret? Mm. Can you not let your left hand know what your right hand are doing? And I think of that so often, Jackie, with posting things. You know, can you lead a class? Can you lead a middle school girls Bible study and not post about it every time? Mm. You know, it's kind of like, is it, did if you didn't post it, did it really happen? Right, right. <laughs> and I but I mean, and I say that with some reservation because I find great encouragement from posts of people that do things. And I'm not saying don't post. I am saying, can you do it? Can you do these things and do them for the glory of God in an obedience to Christ? Not necessarily because it's going to look good for your platform. Mm. Can you do it in secret? I mean, I still ask myself that all the time. Yeah. So it's a discipline. Miss Susie, I think you're stepping on toes right now. Um, yes, mind. I'm stepping um, on my own toes. Yes, I think it's good though. I think it's needed, and you know, honestly, I think like thinking of good, right, and all of us wanting to come from a good place of we want to serve the Lord, we want to serve Him well. I think it's really easy for us just to like gradually get lulled into that mindset and not even know it. And so, although it may be stepping on toes, it is still truth. And I love that. Um, even just that challenge to just kind of, do you need to post this today? You know, is this something that really has to go out to everyone? Or is this just something that you get to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord? Of Exactly. You said it much better than I did. Yes. <laughs> something you can just, you can just give to him and you know, his like is enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, he likes that God's like, that's all the life you need. I love and I, I think it's a good discipline to do that sometimes, you know, just to maybe check with yourself on yourself on um, all of that. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say about self-awareness mm -hmm. um, is that, I don't want to forget this, 
one thing that's really helped me, Jackie, is um, person the personality type, the personality test. I know now Enneagrams are the big thing, and I'm I'm actually I need some tutoring on that myself. <laughs> I don't understand it real well, but I don't know anything that has helped me more in my uh, spiritual development or my, my uh, emotional development more than a personality test and spiritual giftedness, knowing where my spiritual gifts are, but knowing what I am inherently good at and what I'm really inherently bad at. Yeah. And then finding the, uh, when the opportunities come along to know what, what, what I think I can do well for somebody or some ministry and what really I'm, I'm not gifted at. And I, I know people sometimes, those things get criticism sometimes because people think we use them as an excuse, you know, for our weaknesses. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it helps you understand where your gifts are, what you're good at, and where you need to learn. I mean, I think these personality tests show you areas where you're weak and where you need to bulk up. You know, you need to strengthen yourself. You need to exercise that area of your life. And I call those learned skills, skills that you have to learn to do, and then they're useful to you, but they don't really come naturally. Right. I think that's really good. And honestly, this has kind of been the last year and a half of my life. Um, I think it's Pete Scazzaro, um, the Emotionally Healthy Leader, that he says that, you know, anytime that you are put in a position to where you then are having to raise your level of leadership more of your internal things will come out outside of like the actual things that you do. And so this is very much something that I think moving to Arkansas and we're in a bigger church, a bigger ministry, kind of trying to start it up um, from scratch mm -hmm. a little bit. And it threw me into this tizzy of, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have no. this team and all of that. And so I think through the council of many of the mentors and the women in this network of saying, you know, what are you good at? What are your strengths? And so starting things, I love how you said Enneagram, you know, obviously that's kind of the hot one now, um, or the disc profile. I mean, there are yes. so many out there to where you're able to take these tests and see, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. And so these are people that I need on my team to help me in my weaknesses. Um, I mean, it helps you say yes and helps you say no. There's so exactly. many things that I think come out of what these personality tests say in order for you to be able to lead better. And so I love how you're kind of pointing people like this is almost, I think, the foundation or the starting point for us in the self-awareness is who are you? Um, how has God made you? How has God gifted you? And then how as you build your team and as you minister and as you work and move forward, you're able to bring in other people that are able to come alongside and help you fulfill that mission. Right. And I think a part of that also, Jackie, is knowing um, your own spiritual condition. I think that's part of the secret of uh, David's prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. You know, I think he's praying there, Lord, show me my blind spot. Show me what I'm not seeing. Because I give myself the benefit of the doubt 100% of the time. <laughs> right? right? I always give myself the benefit of the doubt. So, Lord, show me where I'm, I'm, if I'm missing something, if there's something blatant in my life, some sin, some, something that I need to deal with. So it's, it's all of those things together. And um, I do think as you grow as a leader, 
I do believe this very strongly that God will allow you to be in, in places of leadership where some of it doesn't come so naturally to you. And, and I had that experience in my life when I, um, after OS went to Guidestone, um, we, and that we'd been the pastor 25 years. I was not sure what to do with myself. I did not know what to do, not in a church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up on staff at our church, Prestonwood Baptist, as the director of women's ministry. And I learned some things about myself. I, I do not have the gift of administration, and I don't like it at all. <laughs> but guess what I found myself doing? I didn't, it wasn't a job where I just sat around studying the Bible all day and teaching. No, in that most of our churches, I would say, that position requires a lot of administrative work. And I learned you have to create a structure for women to use their gifts and minister to one another. That's, that's what my job was. But I had a lot of women I leaned on. But you know what? I learned some things. It didn't come naturally to me, but I learned some really good skills that I lean on now. And so it's a mix of everything, isn't it? You know, you're not going to have it all down perfectly, but there's always something to a skill you can learn that doesn't come naturally. And I think that's a part of leadership, being willing to jump out there and be willing to learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even the other side of that coin is stepping into things that you know you're not good at and say, yeah. I'm not good at this. Um, because I think we even kind of come in as like trying to be the hero and the savior and trying to act yeah. something that we're not. And then when our people get frustrated with us, because clearly we're dropping balls. And so I think it points back to that humility of I need other people and I need yeah. to be okay, even with them coming to me saying, hey, this is an area of weakness that you need to work on and not um, kind of getting our feathers ruffled and offended, but being strong enough as a leader to say, you know what, I hear that. And yes, I need to work on it. And can you come and help me alongside that? And that's the key right there. And I would say that's one of the main points in developing leadership skills is ask for help, mm -hmm. ask for help, ask for counsel, ask for prayer. Um, when you admit your need for other people and their counsel or whatever it is, that touches people's hearts and it's and it's true you know we we need that and so i think asking for help is a huge is a huge hugely important factor in leadership yeah i would agree absolutely okay so to kind of shift just a little bit um you know you guys have been in ministry for a while now and so i'm sure that there have been seasons that are hard as a leader so I'm kind of curious, how would you encourage or even, you know, especially in, if we're talking about self-awareness to where maybe some of the leaders listening are just like, man, I am dropping the ball on all of these things and I don't feel like I'm doing well in any area. Um, you know, and just in these seasons of discouragement, maybe they're feeling overwhelmed or like they're drowning and they can't do it. What would your encouragement be to them? Um... Everybody goes through those times, and I think it, what I would say is if you're in a time of discouragement, or I still remember one time coming home from a women's ministry council meeting, and I, I, could, I don't know why I just have a photograph of this in my mind, throwing myself down on my bed and saying, this is hopeless. Nothing is going to change. The same women that give me a headache, you know, six months ago are still complaining about the same things. You know, nothing changes. We haven't made any headway, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why I just remember that, except I, I do remember eventually we, I came out of that. Mm -hmm. And I do 
I think if when you're in a season of discouragement, it usually is because you feel like nothing's happening. You know, you're the same problems at every meeting, the same people giving you problems, the same, and you're not making any headway. And I think when you have those times, there is something really important about learning to withdraw, maybe be quiet and to wait. And I, I know this has been mentioned on this podcast many times. Everybody seems to have experienced this, that there's something about waiting on God, waiting on God to move. He must like to do that with his children. He, because everybody goes through those seasons. And I was in one of those seasons and I came across the verse in Isaiah 64, 4 that says, God works on behalf of those who wait for him. Mm. And I, I had, I, I love that verse. I'd never seen it before I came across it in, in a devotional. And, you know, while you wait and while you're quiet and you pull back, maybe, maybe that means you take a sabbatical from a few of the activities that you're involved in, or maybe it means you have somebody filling for you for a little while, or you just kind of reset. You need to hit the reset button. Um, discouragement comes from a lot of sources. So I would say the first thing is to pull back and just know that it's a period of waiting. And everybody in the Bible had those times. Every leader has testified to those times. It's just part of living in this world. But I do think that's when God meets you. You know, that's when he meets you at those times. And there, it's no magic formula except to say there must be something in that spiritual discipline of waiting and being quiet that God likes in his children because we all have to go through that. Um, so I think that's one of the first things we have to know that there's just a time when we have to wait on the Lord and be quiet. Mm. Yeah, and then hopefully pray that our time in quiet and wandering isn't 40 years, right? Like that we, yes. we know that in the waiting, he is going to provide, he's going to provide that manna. And often so many times in my own life and journey, like those are the times where the Lord really kind of strips away, like Jackie, your identity is not in that critical person or what they say, you know, like that's yeah. when he starts to reveal you're listening to them way more than you're listening to me. Yes. Yes. So I love how just, and it's so simple and we don't do it as leaders. Like we're so disobedient in this area of our lives to where we really draw back and say, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. It doesn't matter what I get done. I need to meet with the father first. And so yes. um, I think that's a big encouragement to us, especially those of us that um, are just kind of in that season of what am I doing? And I don't like what is being exposed in my self-awareness assessments and all of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just laying that before the Lord. And then I also think recognizing that that is exactly where God is going to show his glory and his goodness is in our exactly. weakness. Exactly. And exactly. Exactly. And you know, I, I, I feel for the younger generation. I really do. Um, it's such an, a loud world. It's so noisy. You know, we have so many agitations that uh, it's all the more important to pull back at some point and quieten yourself and quieten your heart so that you can hear from the Lord. But I think that's the main thing. Everybody, I've just been reading through this book. I read through it every year, Thirsting for God by Gary Thomas. I mean, all the saints, the medieval mystics, the women, the Bible characters, but all through church history. I mean, this is a theme that God's servants, people go through that. His servants go through those times. All of us do. 
And so um, it's important to know that it's not just you and it's not failure. You haven't failed if you're going through a time of discouragement. Yeah. It's just, it's part of the journey. That's good. That's good. And honestly, he's going to get you there to a point, you know, so you might as yeah. well choose it on his terms. Yeah. <laughs> hitting a wall and getting It'll really be easier in the long run. Just yeah. go with it, girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susie, we are running out of time. So just in these last couple moments, I'm curious, um, what is maybe your one or two leadership nuggets just to pass on to everyone that's listening? I know so many look up to you. So many um, have already gleaned so much wisdom from what you've shared. So for those leaders that are listening, how would you encourage them to keep going in their leadership journey? Well, I, I, that's a really good question. And I would say, first of all, just keep at it. You know, I think one of the most important things anybody ever told me that I took to heart was that take, take the opportunities God gives you, you know, going back to the local church, whether it's small, some small way, if, if there's an opportunity that's given to you and you want to serve the Lord and it, see, it fits with who you are and what you're doing, take it, take, take, and, and. And I don't think there's some plan that like you, every small opportunity you take, you get a bigger one later on. I don't know if that happens or not. I just know that there's something about if you're faithful in the small things, God will make you live over many. So be faithful to the small opportunities that come your way. And the other thing, the one thing that right now, Jackie, that I think about a lot in my stage of life is that I want to know what I don't know. Hmm. I want to know what I don't know. I, and I'm trying to, learn myself. I don't know what it's like to be the mother of an African-American teenage boy. I, I, I don't know what it's like to be a refugee mother who will get on a raft with little children to go to a place where I can find some kind of life. I don't know so much. And I want to know what I don't know. I want to learn. I want to understand this world. I want to understand how God is working in the world. I want to be strategic. I want to be in it. I want to know I want to know what I don't know. And I think that's part of leadership too. There's a lot of things we don't know. Well, we need to know that, what we don't know. Um, and that's a big part of self-awareness as well. Mm -hmm. So I think of all the things I would say is be faithful in the small things, wherever God has called you. It's the same thing as you're starting out or if you're at the end of your life. Be faithful to where God has called you. And of course, he is faithful to us. I love that. I want to know what I don't know. I think that's something that all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, can definitely take that. Um, and even just to, to go with that, it's that we are good leaders are always learners. And so yes, just yes, learning exactly. how to take the gospel to people that we never would have thought of, but who may be right in front of us. Exactly. And so I love that. Well, Susie, I'm so glad we finally got to have this. <laughs> I too. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> So much goodness um, and so much wisdom. And so we're thankful for you. We're thankful for you being one of our winsome and gracious leaders um, that has gone before us and has paved the way for so many women that have followed you. And so we thank you. We love you. And we are cheering you on. Well, thank you, Jackie. I love this podcast. I'm just stand with great admiration with the younger generation. Y'all are doing amazing work and I'm behind you all the way. Thank you for including me on this podcast, and um, I love it. I think it's super thing that you're doing, and um, I just pray the Lord to continue to bless you and give you opportunities. I know he does. Aww. 
Well, I will make sure to put Susie's connections for Twitter and social media so you can go back and check out those fun Israel pictures and all of the wisdom that she enjoys sharing um, throughout her days in our podcast notes. And so I know that so many leaders uh, would really benefit from you sharing this episode. So we would love for you to rate and review. And then we will see you next week for another episode of At The Table. Y'all have a great day. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in Kingdom Mission. Thanks for listening. 